Are you guys staying there or do you want to escape? You're welcome to escape. If you're going to stay there, you have to behave, Graham. <laughs> there are seats saved for you. So. Give us a chance. I thought running Zoom last week was complicated with the push this button, do this thing at this point. I muted everybody, including the speaker, at the beginning of the sermon, and then Rob had to unmute. And this is, I was like, take the mask off without flicking the headphones or the glasses or the mic or the, and do the, oh, it's so good to be back. <laughs> hey, Zoom friends. Miss you. I'd rather be at home in my slippers, no offence. Hello. So when someone preaches, we normally learn something about them, their theology, their attitudes. Today I thought I'd intentionally share a favourite book. (laughs) The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Okay, so it's not a recent one, it's from my early childhood, and this one comes, I couldn't find him this morning, but this one comes with an actual caterpillar that you can poke through the actual holes in the book. But it's a story, um, it's one I loved, I loved the graphics, I loved the simplicity of the story, I loved the repeated patterns throughout. It's a story of hope. The very tiny egg and the tiny caterpillar born on a Sunday becomes, by the end of the book, the most... Oh, no, I won't spoil it for you. (laughs) Especially if you've not read it, you're welcome to borrow it. I'll clean it and everything. There are two reasons I share this with you this morning. One is because Eric Carl, the creator and author of this book died this week at 91 years of life. The second reason is because when I heard the story as a child, I never really thought about Eric. I didn't think about the writer, the author, the creator, the artist even. In fact, I only saw his face this week in the news. And yet, when we think about creation, when we think about the environment when we think about all of these things, we must think about the creator. This, the image in the background is a lighter version of one that Eric and his team created for Earth Day this year, for the, for, um, which was held on April the 22nd. So let's begin with Psalm 24. Verses 1 and 2 say, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Now, Billy Graham, who some of you may know is an American, was an American evangelistic preacher, asked and answered the following question. But... Why should we be concerned about the environment? It isn't just because of the dangers we may face from from 
from pollution, climate change or other environmental problems, although these are serious. For Christians, he says, the issue is much deeper. We know that God created the world and it belongs to him and not us. Because of this, we are only stewards or trustees. We are caretakers of God's creation and we aren't, therefore, to abuse or neglect it. In fact, the Bible says, as we've just heard in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He summed up his thinking in this sentence. When we fail to see the world as God's creation, we will end up abusing it. Selfishness and greed take over and we end up not caring about the environment or the problems we're creating for future generations. So how will we continue to approach this topic this morning? I could try and talk big picture. Universe, stars, planets, diversity on a grand scale, which continues all the way um, down from the stars, down to species and diversity and insects and DNA. No, we've gone back. We've missed a slide. And back. We've missed several slides. Where have you gone? That's the one. (laughs) We've got a technical glitch this morning. Normally I have the clicker and I'm in charge. And I've lost the power. (laughs) So I'm having to to do the now looks. And um, yeah, obviously someone sat on the space bar. Right. We can do this. So the first picture on that slide, if you can. Yay! So I could talk big picture, universe, stars, planets, and diversity on a grand scale, which continues all the way down to individual species and insects and microorganisms and DNA and diversity and changes. However, you'll be thankful that I am not a cosmologist or a geneticist, and so you are safe from that. (laughs) There was a thumbs up. That's just rude. If you could try, I could try to talk to you about the natural wonders of the world, about creation in all its splendor. However, I've no doubt that some of you might be plant people. Some of you might be butterfly people. Some of you might be tree people or weather people. Some of you might even be rock people, if you catch my drift. I could try and talk about climate change global warming, the increase in deforestation, wildfires, ice caps melting, loss of habitats, species and animals. However, I am not, as we've established, a scientist and either you are already aware of the issues and the problems and the realities or you're not concerned or not convinced. And I'm not convinced I would be able to convince you. Instead, we're going to hear three possible attitudes to creation held by Christians and other people in the world. And we're going to hear a summary overview of the situation and circle back to God, the creator, three in one. So, some people might and do say, 
like Lynn White suggested, he said, Christianity has introduced a worldview in the West that has made people less likely to care for their environment. He believed that as Christians, people would be incompatible with environmentalism. Their beliefs just wouldn't match up. Why would you say that? That just seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Well, in Genesis 1, it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. And it seems that's how people have behaved. Through the domination of the earth's resources, the me and my needs and my stuff culture, we have met the needs of the powerful through mining, overfishing, even the use of other human beings in slavery. But it's incompatible. It's, it's not my problem. It's, I need my stuff and, you know, it's their problem. Some people might do and say, now I've called this group the Revelation Tribe because they didn't have a name. But some people believe that eventually, however we look after the present world, whatever we do, the world will come to an end if it were going to continue the way it is right now. Even if we all behaved impeccably, it would still end anyway. How's that sitting? Let's look at Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 18 says, I consider, from verse 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager anticipation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. The whole of creation is under the bondage of decay because God made it that way. Not yet. Go back. (laughs) I'm like, oh, have I gone wrong? (laughs) But this bleak prospect will never be reached. God's eternal purpose in creation cannot fail. The creation, therefore, therefore, must be somehow redeemed and saved. The one who imposed it, who put us under the bondage of decay, can also remove it. Revelation. Chapter 21, verse 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I've never understood, and there was no longer any sea. Okay, good. (laughs) Why add that? Anyway, it's going to go. Heaven and earth are going to go, and we're going to get new heaven and earth. So it's okay. It doesn't matter. It's all fine. It's not a problem. It isn't a problem. Earth's going to go. We're going to have a new one. Who cares about the old trash? 
Finally, we have our harmonizers. Harmonizers see environmentalism as an important part of being a good Christian. They're not climate skeptics who aren't sure what the scientists tell us and think it's a bit made up stuff. And they may or may not be actively engaged in, you know, wider movement stuff. But one harmonizer, when interviewed, said, environmentalism begins on an individual basis. You only have control over your own individual actions. So harmonizers limit themselves to their own stuff, their personal behaviors, their own little piece of earth. They won't call for public change or political action to change things and to solve and work towards a solution for climate change. So why bother anyone else? You look after you. Don't complain. Don't make a fuss. Look after your piece of the planet right where you are. Now, there wasn't a political argument attached with this like there was with the others, so I made one for them, found one for them. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. 1 Peter 4 starting at verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift you have received. And whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. That's kind of a be nice, behave, be gentle. But I did put those words in their place. So while harbonizers provide a very noble, very polite approach to climate issues, I am not convinced it's enough. And now we come to um, an organization called BioLogos. And I am going to share an excerpt from a document that they've produced because there is no way I could write it as well as they have And I'm not going to pretend they're not my words. Or they are my words. You know what I mean. It's their words. Any fault is mine. To some Christians, creation care can sound like we value the planet more than people. But caring for the planet really is caring for people. The effects of environmental degradation on human health are devastating. Malnutrition from food shortages, higher rates of tropical disease, cardiorespiratory illnesses from pollution, and conflicts over natural resources are just some of the ways environmental problems are impacting the lives of real people. At first, climate change might seem unrelated. What's that got to do with it? You know, they're, they're miles away. But actually, it's more than a planet warming up a couple of degrees. However, what is vital to realize is that climate change is something called a threat multiplier. That means, essentially, that it makes the the bad problems significantly worse. Refugee crises... Hunger, disease, poverty, biodiversity loss, deforestation, air pollution, and scarcity of resources. Christians who are working in majority world countries often see the effects of environmental degradation and climate change in ways we don't see in the UK 
or America. So majority world countries are the countries that make up the majority of the world. And they are quite often the poorer countries, the poorer nations where our, um, lots of our missionaries are working. So these people can attest to the realities of drought, pollution and conflict that are exacerbated by human activity. Therefore, the poorest and most vulnerable people on the planet are negatively being impacted by the choices and the actions of the wealthiest. But caring for our planet, therefore, is caring for our fellow human beings. We tangibly show love for our neighbours, both local and global, when we act in ways that promote their best interests. And who is our neighbor? When Jesus was asked that question, he responded with the story of the Good Samaritan. Today, in the context of the climate crisis, that has to mean that we will not prop up the lifestyles of the wealthy any longer, the industrialized economies at the expense of those who will suffer the most at the hands of the the result of the changing climate. We should be loving God, our creator, loving our neighbor as ourselves, and loving God's world. So what can you do? What can I do? What could HHBC do as a community of Jesus followers? And these are all going to be in the bulletin tomorrow, so there will be no excuses. I will put them all in as links and reminders and encouragements. The final slide, nearly. So, you can visit the website for BioLogos and watch videos and inform yourself of the changes you could make or get involved in conversations. You can be educated. You can go to the Christian Aid website and get involved by writing to your local MP, writing to the local council, expressing your concerns about the issues and asking for action and change locally, nationally and internationally. The G7 talks are happening in two weeks and the UN Climate Change Conference is being held later this year and we need to ensure voices are heard. Anybody here, I can't see you on Zoom, sorry, but anybody here ever think there's no point in me writing to my MP, it won't make any difference? Come on, honestly, put your hands up. There is no way you all think, yes, I'll write to my MP because they take notice of me. Right, okay, we've, we've eventually had some reluctant, oh, it's scary putting my hand up. Um, I used to think that. <laughs> Suddenly coughing is a whole new thing. (laughs) I used to think that. Um, And I met my MP in East London. And he said there there was something happening, a vote happening. And he said there were... He had about 30 letters about it, and they were all from people who had nothing... The the vote was not going to impact them at all. But they wrote... And he measures, he looks at how many people have written about how important this issue is. That's how he assesses where he's at, what he's going to do about it. Christian Aid have a current thing on their website that suggests you send 
Boris Johnson a postcard. So you don't have to write a three-page letter. It doesn't have to be high-tech. They even give you a model, a suggestion of what to write. They even give you his address. The only thing they don't do is give you a postcard and a stamp. Write one small thing. But when 20 people do that small thing, that's 20 postcards. When 2,000 people do it, that's 2,000 postcards. That says we are... You know, this is important. We're going to stand up and say something. You don't have to march. You don't have to protest. Okay, calm down, Steph. You could sign up to be part of the Baptist Union Environment Network, which spells buen, meaning good in Spanish. This is a fairly recent beginning, but it aims to raise awareness and respond to the environmental crisis through Baptist communities. And finally, I'm going to leave this as a challenge or an offer to somebody to take up. HHBC could work towards being good stewards as well as good neighbours as an eco-church. It's like an award scheme where you work towards targets and you, you can measure where you're at. It's just there. Now let's remember, in the frustrations, in the tough things that I've touched on this morning, there is hope and we can, working together, bring about change. And we don't do this alone because God is in creation. God does not desert us or his created planet. There is hope because every starfish tossed back into the ocean is a starfish changed? If you don't know them, that joke, look it up later. Every can recycled, every box recycled, everything that you do, every effort you take is a step. There is hope because one day we will all be a beautiful butterfly. No, that's not right. Um, one day... One day, we will all meet the Creator. We will all meet God face to face. The one who created the birds, the butterflies, the elephants, and the lions and tigers and bears. Oh, no, that's not right either. We will meet God, the one who looks at us, looks at you, and sees his precious child. We will meet God face to face. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. So when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? And verse 9 says, Our Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic is your name in all the earth. I am going to um, pray before our final song. Would the musicians prefer to come up before I pray or after? It's up to you. You can do some of some.
And thank you to Sophie. Sorry, I'm going to embarrass you. This is Sophie who's joining us. This is the first time you've really been here, here, isn't it? Second time. Second, to- second time in the building. So lovely to see you. Thank you. We've got wavy hands upstairs. Someone hasn't left Zoom behind. Whichever, I don't mind. Um, so it's awesome to see Sophie. Her daughter is here as well. And there was somebody else I wanted to say hello to, and I can't think who it was now. Oh, well, I'll remember in a minute. But thank you guys for all you're doing. Thank you to the team upstairs, especially Danny, who's put up with me, giving him weird looks. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's talk to God about what we've heard. Father God, you spoke into the silence. Light suffusing darkness, you spoke into the silence. Blowing clean, life-giving air into the space. You spoke into the silence. Warmth and cold infusing the air. Solid ground formed out of gushing water. You spoke voice carrying over the sound. People, plants and animals came to life. You spoke each creation balanced against the next, so life would be abundant and sustainable. You saw everything you have made and declared it to be good. You gave us stewardship over all you have made. You speak. You create. You want us to be stewards of your creation And we come to you to relearn how to care for the earth and the people you have made. As we look at creation, each part a work of art called love, we ask that we would remember you, the creator, each day, each moment. And we would seek to find ways to not just look after our little patch of earth, but to try and influence further afield. I ask, Lord God, that you inspire us, you would give us the tools and the means and the words, and you would help us to encourage one another to be good stewards of the planet you have given us to live on. Amen.